episode 86 of Outlander Cast is brought to you by Love Pop. To enter the 2018 Love Pop birthday sweepstakes for a chance to win 50 3D birthday cards, visit lovepop.com slash outlandercast. All the way from Cranston, Rhode Island, welcome to Outlander Cast. It's a podcast dedicated to the show Outlander on Stars. Hello, everyone, and welcome. I'm your host, Mary Larson. My name is Blake, and I think I need to talk some Dougal McKenzie. Amen. A little bit, a little bit. I, uh, you know, I, I've had a chance to go back and watch some Outlander and reflect, and I'm actually even starting to read the first book of Outlander now. And um, so you're getting to know Dougal quite well now that you are officially. Reading Outlander. Right. Well, no, I'm reading. I'm only again you know. only reading the first book. Well, that's why. That's yes. it. Okay, so just, let's just get that straight. <laughs> only the first book. You will not be spoiled. I will never compromise this podcast. But I, I've gotten a chance to get to know Dougal a little bit better here, and yeah. over time, I, I've I've kind of grown very scared of Dougal. <laughs> <laughs> Rightly so, my friend. And uh, I, I think he is a character that is. Um. Uh, Am, am morally ambiguous, you know, mm-hmm. in the best case. I thought you were going to say ambitious. Uh, a- ambitious. I, yeah. Ambitious is another one. Yeah. Uh, but I couldn't think of a better way to kind of celebrate this new love of Dougal McKenzie that I have than to organize a interview with one Graham McTavish, who, of course, plays Dougal McKenzie. You know, not only is Dougal such an interesting and exciting and thrilling and... <laughs> <laughs> fearful character yes. in Outlander. But Graham McTavish is just such an awesome actor, but also awesome human being. Very nice guy. So nice and so fun and has an amazing assortment of projects that he has worked on. And he just, he's, he's you know, a fan favorite for a reason. Uh, he he is what, I uh, uh, the recipient of what I like to call the Benedict Cumberbatch, Cumberbatch effect. Tell me. You know, like one day, nobody knew Benedict Cumberbatch. Nobody knew him. And all of a sudden, the next day, household name. Yes. Dougal McKenna, I'm sorry, Graham McTavish, all of a sudden, he's in everything. Everywhere I look, he's in every movie. Yeah. He's in every television show. Yes. And rightfully so. The the guy's amazing. And, uh, And I need to say something. I have seen so much of the work that he's done. Yep. And I didn't know it was the same person. Right. Right, and it is very rare that I can say that um, Blake can call someone out right away. For the most part, <laughs> but <laughs> I'll never forget when people were like, "Oh yeah, he was in The Hobbit," and I was like, "What? I've watched that movie a million times because I'm a Lord of the Rings nerd. What are you talking about?" Well, granted, he had on a lot of makeup and, and he additional. Was a he was a dwarf. A lot of different things, but still, I mean, so many of the things that he's done. So. Um, I'm I'm really excited. I'm really excited for you guys to hear this and uh, to jump on. Yeah, in. and it, again, another entry into our amazing Gone Lander series that we have on this show. 
I, I'm so proud of this series. I think it's great. So in the meantime, my darling, what do you say we get into this wonderful interview that we did? Yeah. Let's do it. Joining us today is Graham McTavish, a widely accomplished Scottish stage voice and film actor whose many credits include the likes of Lost, Rome, Prison Break, Preacher, 24, The Hobbit Trilogy, The Finest Hours, Creed, and way too many more to list. But we all know him as this strong, cunning, morally ambiguous, as Blake said, Jacobite war chief of Clan Mackenzie, Dougal Mackenzie, Graham Thank you so much for taking the time out of your incredibly busy schedule to join us on OutlanderCast today. No, not at all. Not at all. Glad glad to be able to be here. How did you find out about Outlander, either the book or the show? What was your first way of hearing about this massive beast called Outlander? <laughs> um, yeah, I was doing The Hobbit uh, in New Zealand and... Uh, I was. Uh, I can remember it pretty clearly, actually. I was in my trailer, uh, in my uh, my dwarf um, costume and makeup, and um, my manager rang me and said that there was a, a show that was going to be done uh, that was set in the Highlands um, in the 18th century. Highlanders, uh, is this something that you'd be interested in? And I said. Oh, yes, <laughs> I would definitely be interested in that. Uh, I just imagined, um, I, I very clearly remember imagining uh, what that experience would be like, uh, being in Scotland again, uh, being close to people I've grown up with and worked with as a theatre actor, uh, experiencing the landscape telling that kind of a story and i have to say that the reality was was very close indeed to that imagining and so uh they contacted my manager there'd been interest um in me prior to that for another show that stars produced called black sales and they wanted uh they were very keen on me being involved in that, but I was unavailable because of The Hobbit. And so I was sort of on their radar for other things. And um, then they set up a meeting with uh, the director of the first two episodes, John, uh, John Dahl, in London with uh, the producers. And I went in and uh, I did what they call a chemistry read with Sam. <laughs> um, and, um, you know, we instantly got on. We instantly liked each other. I, I instantly liked Sam, and uh, he, you know, I knew that an experience working with him would be really enjoyable, and um, and so it came to pass. So it's yeah, one of those strange things that begins in a in a trailer in New Zealand and ends up in wherever it ends up. Yeah. What was that chemistry read like? I mean, I mean, for for the the layman, like idiots like me, like what what exactly? <laughs> Is a chemistry read, and do you remember? Yeah. Do you remember like the script well, that you read? You, you basically you 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 take a couple of scenes uh, and you play them out. You play them out with each other, and you try them two or three different ways. And the scene that I think I'm pretty sure I did with Sam was after the scene after he's I've exposed his his uh, flogging scars in the rent episode where we're going around raising money and we had the big argument that we ended up having in the show over, I think it was around a campfire. 
it was just the two of us. And we did that. And we did that two or three times. And I think I did a, I read a scene, I read the, yeah, it was the scene with Kat where uh, it's, I get her to drink from the river to tell to tell the truth. And uh, I read that with the casting director in the room. Uh, she doubled for Kat because at that point, uh, Katrina hadn't been cast. In fact, Katrina was pretty much, I think, the last person to be cast in the show. Uh, they were having a huge uh, trouble finding the right person for the role. And they actually thought that they would have trouble finding the right person for the role of Jamie. That was the one that they thought they would have real trouble with. But they found him very, very quickly. So it just shows you. Did you ever uh, meet with Ron Moore prior to the, uh, like d- during the chemistry reads, was he part of it as well? Or did he have notes for you or anything like that? No, Ron, Ron wasn't there. Meryl was there. Uh, she was, she was the producing element in the room and it was all taped of course. So in the, the these days, you know, it's, um, you, you often don't meet the people that are employing you until you walk onto the set. Uh, I uh, had exactly the same experience with Preacher. Uh, when I, 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 I went on tape for Preacher, then I had a video conference with Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg, and I didn't meet them in person until uh, I turned up on the first day of shooting. Yeah. Um, Peter Jackson with The Hobbit, I was, I was actually in the hotel room, his wife and the other co-writer of The Hobbit, uh, Philippa Boyens, um, were with me. We were doing the third meeting, the big third meeting, and Peter was ill, and he was in the bedroom of that hotel suite, watching it remotely from there. Um, So I didn't physically meet him until uh, I arrived in New Zealand. But he was was in the room, if that makes any sense. That's strange. (laughs) So, of course, you learn about Outlander Uh, uh, in the midst of The Hobbit, and you get to hear about this, and you say, yes, that that sounds amazing. Did you have any idea, though, how strongly people felt about the character of Dougal before you started filming? No, no. No, I didn't. I mean, the only only, inkling that I got was after the announcement, the cast announcement that I was playing the part, and there was just this sort of bombardment <laughs> of opinions and thoughts and, you know, whatever, whatever people were posting. And, and, I, and I found out that way. I, you know, I hadn't read the book. Um, and I, I read the book once I got the role. Uh, but no, I, I, you know, I mean, I'm kind of ashamed to say I knew nothing about it. Uh, I knew the history. I knew the history of the period very well. Um, so I was very familiar with the, the context that Diana was setting the story in. But I, um, I was completely overwhelmed and continue to be overwhelmed, actually, uh, you know, with, with the reaction to the show and to my character. Uh, I mean, pretty much, you know, on a daily basis, people talk to me about both of those things uh, whenever I'm out. Um, it, it's, it's, a, it's the kind of show and he's the kind of character that um really uh really gets people going yeah they get uh they get very passionate about the whole thing <laughs> yeah so with with that in mind i mean you know tv and in movies but i think largely television i think it's filled with a bunch of characters who for the most part are are either good or bad but you know dougal isn't yeah. necessarily either so when it comes no, to this, does no. it does it make it easier or more difficult to, to play for you? 
Um, it's more interesting, definitely more interesting mm-hmm. uh, to play to play that complexity. I mean, when you're given a character, I mean, I think you're, I, I, you're very lucky to have that role. Um, oh. He's such an interesting guy. Uh, you, you can literally go from sort of cheering for him um, and then sort of booing him in the same episode. Uh, he's, he's just, he has that duality about him. But I think it's a duality that is very human. Um, I mean, some of, the, some of the circumstances that Dougal finds himself in are quite extreme by normal standards. Um, but really that struggle between trying to do the right thing and giving in to your weaknesses and your vanity and whatever else may be going on are things that I think a lot of people can relate to. I don't think you know, the, the, the problem with characters that are just good and just bad is I think that that's not realistic uh, to, to my mind. Um, the, the world isn't that straightforward. I mean, some people are better than others, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they, um, everyone struggles with, with things in their lives to a greater or lesser extent. Dougal just happens to be somebody who, who plays it out on a big canvas, you know, <laughs> uh, the canvas of that show, the canvas of that period of history, um, which is such a rich, you know, landscape to be, to be a part of. So, no, it's very, it was very interesting to play that, yeah. You talked about big canvases, and and Dougal certainly plays hugely in Outlander and and all those big canvases. But I would say that my favorite moment that you that you performed is the moment in Column's death scene, and it was such a small scene. It was so it was mm. just you and Gary Lewis, and you know Dougal the character yeah. doesn't know that Column is dead, but he he tries to tell him all the things that he never could. Yeah. But and I remember you did this thing where yeah. you like banged your head, and I I just. I felt like that was so real and, and authentic. What, what does that scene, yeah. when you look back on it, what does that scene mean to you and, and how does that represent Dougal in your eyes? Um, well, I think it's, it, it was, a, first of all, it was a, it was a great scene, beautifully written, uh, really sensitive, I think, to the characters, both of the characters in that scene, to their relationship. It was the very last scene that Carrie and I both filmed uh, I'd, I'd already filmed my death scene. So this was my, you know, this was the last day. And so it was very poignant from that point of view, but from a, from a performance point of view, I think what, what resonates for me, and I think probably resonates for a lot of people is the things that remain unsaid, uh, when you lose someone in your life. The things that you wish you'd said to them, the 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 things that you'd wish you'd taken time to communicate, and you know I've I've lost both my parents now, and uh, and there are things that I can't, especially with my father, um, you know, growing up with a sort of uh, a working class, quite uh, you know you know tough Glaswegian father uh, who fought in the war, and all that goes with that. Um, you know, there are things that I wish I'd spoken to her about, uh, that I'm never going to get the chance to now. And it's, and that's what I was really kind of tapping into in that scene was the terrible waste and the terrible regret that you feel when you don't get that opportunity, when that moment has passed. And sometimes it's not even death that prevents it. It's you, you lose touch or you know, there's a moment in a conversation where you think, I'm going to tell this person this now. I'm going to tell this thing that's important. And somehow the moment goes and it's gone and you can't quite get it back. 
And those sort of regrets that we have in our lives, I think, are, are something that uh, hopefully we we can all uh, share in uh, as humans, you know. And and I think it was a very human scene for Dougal. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was stripped away of anything, you know, any of his ego or vanity, or it was very raw and. Uh, somehow, I, what I was trying to do was really to expose the very uh, the, the the heart of him, mm-hmm. I suppose. Yeah. So, did you have the conversations with the directors or the writers on how you wanted to play it? Did you did you add a little oh, bit yeah. at all? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did. I mean, we did it. As far as I can remember, we did it in three subtly different but important ways. Uh, we did it with a very very restrained uh, performance and then we did it with a you know in one take I mean complete breakdown uh, you know sobbing uncontrollably that sort of thing and then I think the one we went for was the third one um, which which really fell in between those two and I think that was the right temperature for the scene because you also you have to be well, whatever your temptations are as an actor in those scenes. You know, oh, I want to be able to show people how well I can cry, or <laughs> I want to be able to do this. You you have to be true to the character, and you have to think what would he do, how would he cope with this, and he's not somebody given to, you know, weeping uncontrollably. I don't think he's he's somebody that would fight against it. But in that fight, you see his pain. So that's that's what I was aiming for. We're going to take a brief moment from our interview to tell you a bit more about today's sponsor. Love Pop isn't just a card. It's an experience in an envelope. It is freaking awesome to get one. We got some, and I am just so jazzed about this company. They have intricate 3D laser-cut paper cards that are designed by naval engineers in our neck of the woods, Boston. That's right, baby. That's why I love them so much. (laughs) And then they're handcrafted and assembled in this Asian art form of slice-form kirigami. It is unbelievable, guys. They have over 250... 3D cards to choose from. It's honestly, it's like opening a pop-up book, but Mm -hmm. it's a card. So you can get them for weddings, birthdays, thing, thank you, celebrations, anything. They've got you covered. And I'm not going to lie, there is a pirate ship for all (laughs) you Voyager fans out there who know what I've been talking about. I love these cards. I'm never, literally, I'm never going back to getting another regular card ever again, ever and the reason why I love them is because they're so personal uh, and they're amazing. Like, I got a Beatles one. My dad loves the Beatles. He got me into the Beatles. And I gave him one. It was Abbey Road. It was all of them walking across the road and popped up. Put in a pop-up. And he loved it. He, he has it in his office. I even got one for Reese. That's a dragon. Because our son loves dragons. And it's just sitting on his desk and it's open. It's a card and he loves it. So get this, guys. You can shop in your PJs because when you order online, they can even handwrite a message in your card and mail it directly. They are such great quality. 
They're beautiful. It, they even just give you a reason to do something awesome for a special person in your life, even <laughs> if there's no reason, just because they rock. <laughs> so please, go get one of these bad boys. I mean, they're not even just a card. They're like a decoration. Yes. They're amazing. And they have a great thing going on right now where you can win uh, with some birthdays. So you're going to head on over to lovepop.com slash outlandercast. You can enter for a chance to win 50 3D birthday cards. So remember, guys, it's lovepop.com slash outlandercast to win 50 birthday cards. It, 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 not even birthday cards, just just decorations for your house. <laughs> it's so true. It's legitimately, I I love uh, I love love pop, and, and they're from Boston. It, 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 you can't you can't get any better than that. It's my guys over there. All right, you ready to get back to the interview? Yes. All right, let's do it. You know, going from the intimate moments of Colin's death to you had so many different extreme uh, experiences, but I wanted to know now about the the battle scenes. You know, how did you prepare for those scenes? How did you mentally prepare? And what was going through your mind gearing up for that? Hmm. You know, battle scenes are. I mean, they're really they're just a very uh, extreme version of a dance. Really, uh, it's how if you if you were preparing for, to do a dance sequence. It's the same as doing a fight sequence. The only difference is that you're using weapons in it. <laughs> so everything is choreographed. You practice those moves with the people that you're going to be doing the fight with for weeks beforehand so that you know what the other person is going to be doing and, and what you're going to be doing in relation to them. So you, you, you just rehearse it over and over again. Uh, and I've done a lot of different types of fights in my career, but a lot of them have been sword-related uh, less guns, more swords, or axes, or whatever, and so it's a familiar world for me. I did a lot of a lot of it on stage, uh, and I've done a lot of it in film and television. So I'm familiar with the world of it, and I enjoy doing them. Um, they're great fun. They're always uh, they're always a great challenge for the stunt department because every stunt department wants their fight to be really memorable for a particular reason. So we we, we explored all sorts of different options. And then, um, and then we set to set to work. And when you do it on the day, you know what you're doing. You know what part of the dance um, you you are performing. And uh, if there's several people around you, everybody has their has their their bit of the dance. And so, just as when you do watch a complicated dance sequence, maybe on stage or on film, you think, "How did they do that?" And just everybody works really hard to do it. So uh, you know. I got. I got to imagine you. Obviously, you've you've done a lot of battle scenes. But did any of them ever require you running down the hill shirtless? Uh, <laughs> because I got to tell you, you are in the kind of shape that no. I only wish I could be in. So, like, what did you? What is? What did that mean for you? Like, uh, you know, what did you have to? Did you? Like, did you only eat like you know celery kale, kale for for like three weeks uh, in order to prepare for that? <laughs> no, no, I've especially since before the hobbit i've done an, an enormous amount of training for i mean i got into ridiculous shape for the hobbit because it was going to be so physically taxing for two and a half years as it as it proved to be and i i tried to maintain that so yeah you know i'm kind of i'm careful enough about what i eat i don't go mad uh i'm not like a monk or anything uh but i do i i exercise very regularly and um and it's it's really just about uh you know, you need to be convincing, uh, again, as the character you're playing, and uh, Dougal McKenzie is a warrior. 
so he wouldn't have been sitting around eating the equivalent of 18th century pizza. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, he would have. Uh, they, they were people that used their bodies continually. They were always practicing. They were fighting. They were outdoors. They were so that I think needs to be reflected in the physique of the people that um, are portraying them. I heard. I heard a rumor that you wanted to push. Uh, this idea of you biting a guy's nose off in battle. Is that true? Oh, no, we, we filmed it. We filmed it. Oh, you did? Yeah, we did. We oh, did my it. word. Oh, yeah, yeah. Ira, Ira, Ira was, it was in the script. Um, well, the, in, in the script, I headbutted him. And I said, listen, you know, he's always headbutting people. It's such a, it's such a kind of obvious thing to do. So we filmed a sequence where uh, a red coat is coming at me with, um, with his, uh, musket and bayonet and Dougal being the sort of show off that he is puts the sword in the ground and just basically says to him you know what I'm not even going to I don't even need a sword I'm still going to kill you and the guy comes at me I grab his hand I grab his musket I try and stab him with my dirk he grabs that so we're in a standoff and so I said to Ira and the director I said listen um, he would do anything Dougal would do anything to these people and uh having done some research on fighting you know i know that this sort of thing went on so he just grabs him pulls him in and i just bite his nose off <laughs> and so we filmed it we filmed it when the camera was on me we paused and we put a little bit of gelatin covered in blood in my mouth and so we do the rah, 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 gnawed it off and then i just spit the uh the nose out <laughs> and i'm so and then I kill him, uh, and then I turn around, and I go through all of the wounded, and I just stab every single one of them to make sure they're dead. Mm. Now, in, in, the t in the way that they put it in the episode, that was all truncated. So you didn't get the no – they thought the nose thing was just too much, which, you know, come on. <laughs> of course he would do that. Of course he would. Um, You're so right. And, and, they, and they shortened the, the period of me stabbing the, the dead bodies so that I get to Lieutenant Foster – um, a, a bit earlier, but I'm yeah, I'm kind of sad that they didn't include the nose biting. It's out there somewhere. They filmed it. They've got it. So <laughs> I love it. You never know. One day, one day it will come out. <laughs> so as we're reflecting here, do you have a specific favorite memory from the set of Outlander that you'd like to share with us? Oh gosh, gosh, there's so many. <laughs> and there really are. I mean, it's. Uh, I mean, I, I think that a general feeling of enormous. Laughter, uh, lots of laughing, especially between me, Sam, Duncan, uh, Stephen Walters, Grant, you know, the Highland group, lots and lots of laughter, lots of joke telling, lots of, um, you know, Duncan standing behind us in the wedding when Jamie's announcing his full name, uh, Jamie Alexander, Malcolm McKenzie Fraser, and, and Duncan just adding more and more names during the take <laughs> so that it was, he was. He was King Kong. He was Tarzan. He was Godzilla. You know, so that, you know, James Alexander, Godzilla, King Kong, Tarzan, Malcolm McKenzie Fraser. And we, we couldn't continue. We were just laughing so much. Um, so that was a very long day. And definitely the director got really kind of like, okay, that's enough. That really is enough now. And uh, Duncan, Duncan just couldn't stop. He just kept doing it very quietly <laughs> under his breath. Um, so, you know, Optimus Prime, that was another one. <laughs> Optimus Prime. Uh, it was, you know, so that, that kind of thing. It was a, a lot of laughter. Yeah. 
So, you know, in the past decade or so, you've you've had some roles in, in television's biggest shows. I mean, Lost. Uh, and you played, by the way, a very convincing Russian diplomat on 24. The, touche. That was <laughs> that was amazing. Thank you for that. Thank you. Um, you, you were in Rome, Thank Prison you. Break, uh, and now you're Outlander and Preacher. I mean, that's a pretty wide breadth mm. of work. So where does Outlander yeah. rank in that list for you? Like the, the experiences, I know they're all different, but what, what is it? Where does that rank for you? Oh no, huge. It was huge. Yeah. I mean, Outlander was a, for, for many reasons. I mean, the role, the fact that I got to go back to Scotland and, and work for a long period, working with a lot of people I already knew, uh, making some great friends. I mean, you make friends when you do a lot of these jobs, but they don't always last. And I've, I've remained friends with um, all those guys and with Katrina since finishing. So it was a very, very enjoyable, intense experience. And uh, I'll be lucky if I, if I get another role uh, that, that gives me all of those things again. You know, you can, you can do parts that are really enjoyable, but you don't necessarily stay in touch with everybody afterwards. But this was, this was pretty unique. Yeah. You know, you're talking about different roles and your slate, of course, seems very full with projects. So are there specific roles that you kind of covet and what kind of role would you write for yourself if, if you could? Um, well, uh, yeah, I mean, I've kind of I've managed to tick a lot of boxes that I've always wanted to do, like playing a cowboy being in a being in a Roman epic, you know, doing doing the kind of Lord of the Rings thing, you know. So those were definite ambitions that I had, and uh, I think you know I'd like to do uh, uh, more comedy. Um, I, I don't get the opportunity to do that very much, and uh, on stage I've always wanted to play Macbeth, um, and I really hope that one day I will. And so those those kind of things. But other than that, really, it's just whatever whatever presents itself at the time. And a lot of these things come out completely from left field. I never imagined doing a part like Dougal. I didn't imagine that world being explored in the way that it was. Um, you know, so, so these, you know, the great thing about the business is that on the one hand, yes, it is, you know, you never quite know what's happening in the future, but that's also a very exciting thing. So there are parts out there that I still have yet to play that will be really amazing for me, hopefully. And very surprising and challenging. And uh, I like challenges. I like doing things that test me mm-hmm. and push me. Uh, so th- those kind of things. I did a one-man show once, and that was a huge challenge. Mm-hmm. And one that was very, very difficult, but I'm so glad I did it. So, uh, yeah, challenges. Uh, any, anything that gives me a physical or, or performance-related challenge. You know, just from me being a fan of yours, I just want to say that if you could find a way to nose yourself into the Marvel universe, I think that would be amazing. <laughs> I think you would are a perfect fit. <laughs> just, that, but well, that's just one man's opinion. <laughs> um, never, you never know. <laughs> uh, so, are you trying to tell me that there's something that something brewing there? You never know. I'm just, you know, you never know. No, 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 no. I'm not saying nothing. No, no, nothing. All doors are open, is what you're saying. I'm not saying Yes, exactly. Thank you again so much, Graham, for coming on and chatting with Blake and I and for letting the listeners of AtlanderCast get to hear all these great stories. Where can our listeners find you if they want to stay in touch with you and learn about your upcoming projects? Uh, Well, they can reach me through Twitter, um, Graham McTavish. 
Uh, they can reach me on Instagram, also Graham McTavish, and my official Facebook page, also Graham McTavish. Nice and easy, nothing too complicated. So yeah, that, that's where, that's where you'll find uh, any news and any way of wanting to keep in touch with me. So there you have it. That wraps up our interview with Graham McTavish. What a wonderful guy. Just really uh, kind and easygoing. And actually, he did this interview while he was waiting for a plane. So we apologize that it was a little short. There were so many more questions that, of course, we yeah. would have loved to ask him. He was amazing and kind. And uh, <laughs> I can't believe he just, I mean, like, he's in the airport. <laughs> he's like, one of the things that I edited out, he's like, somebody was trying to tell him, like, all right, get on the plane, buddy. <laughs> he's like, yeah, yeah, okay, hold on one second. He's like, yeah. my phone's about to die and uh we're like we got this we don't, got this, don't worry buddy. about it buddy. the magic of the podcasting still let it go so graham <laughs> if you're listening to this thank you we know that you are juggling and for everyone else we hope you enjoyed it give you a little bit of insight a little bit of the humor right. i mean it sounds like from everyone that we hear um just such a great group i wish i could have just been a fly on the wall while they were filming outlander but i love that he would just thought this was a great experience to add to his several other amazing experiences right i you know what the funny thing is too he was in new zealand at the time and we're here obviously on the east coast of uh, the united states uh in rhode island and all i wanted to do was just make back to the future jokes i just wanted to say like (laughs) did you get 1.21 gigawatts (laughs) was it you know going to 88 miles per hour i I just wanted to like you know just talk to him because he was in the future technically gigawatts i thought it was gigawatts 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 you know what who who knows (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but yes, so uh, just had a great time. And the Gonlander con- tradition now continues. Where we're going, we don't need roads. <laughs> Sadly, people keep dying in Outlander, so we're just going to keep bringing you some Gonlanders. I, another thing that I really loved about Graham, too, was that I, I kind of expected him to have that same voice and the same accent that he had as Dougal McKenzie. Mm-hmm. But it's completely opposite. <laughs> He's like this really well-spoken, very kind, very generous guy. You were, was, you were expecting that you were going to interview Dougal. I really was. And again, my love of my new love of, of Dougal McKenzie kind of he colored my experience a little yeah. bit here. I, I was a little intimidated. That's I'm okay. not going to lie. The man's in great shape. He could probably reach through the phone and grab my neck and <laughs> see. I just ring it right before interviewing him. I was geeking out about the pictures of him in the Hobbit, and I was like, "I know, I can't believe I didn't notice it was him." <laughs> so, you had the frightening Dougal McKenzie in your mind, and I was looking at a dwarf. So, <laughs> <laughs> wow, well, what? I don't think he'd be too happy with us right now. <laughs> Why not? No, no I'm no. saying that he does an extraordinary job. That he was able to put fear in you. That's true. And then here I was being like, "Wow." He's a dwarf. Climbing that mountain. <laughs> so determined. <laughs> so way to go, Graham. You have two ex- very, very uh, happy fans and uh, all of our listeners. So thank you if you are listening. And uh, thanks, listeners, for listening to the Gunlander interviews. All right. You ready to close out the show, my darling? You bet. All right. Let's do it. If this is your first Outlander Cast episode, I want you to head on over to OutlanderCast.com and check out all of our previous episodes. We've been able to interview other Gonlanders, hashtag Gonlander, RIP, sadly missed, (laughs) as well as other people. And, you know, season three is coming. 
It's like winter is it's coming, here. but season three is coming. It is coming so quickly. So I want to make sure that you are subscribed in your podcast app. I want you to keep your eyes on our Facebook page, our Instagram page. And better yet, come and join our clan. The Outlander Cast Clan Gathering is the best exclusive Facebook community for all Outlander fans, whether you are a show watcher or a book reader or both. Everyone is welcome. It is kind. It is loving. It is exciting. It is thrilling. And you are going to make friends from around the world. I've heard many people say it's literally the best group for Outlander they've ever been in. And I, I know I'm biased. I know that Mary and I created it. I know that it's our little baby, but I'm very proud of it, and I do want you to join and get in on this amazing conversation. Another thing that I want you to do is look out for the Outlander Cast blog, because we keep up with all the news, all the trailers, all, all that stuff. Anything Outlander-related, it is on the blog. We have an extraordinary staff from around the world bringing you blog posts every single week. And every single week. Another thing you should look out for on the blog, too, is the fact that we have 13 personal questions with Graham McTavish that were not included in on this podcast that's only available exclusively on the blog. So you're going to want to check that out as well as soon as you can. And Blake, if people are like, what? Blake is reading the books? Yes, yes. How do they get in on that? I'm only reading the book. I'm reading Outlander, the book. That is it. And I'm doing that because the patrons for our Patreon account made that possible. They donated enough money for us where I was able to read the book and get an experience. And if you want to hear my thoughts on the book in a chapter by chapter analysis, I just did the Garrison Commander. I'm very proud of it. It was 36 minutes long that episode. I couldn't believe it. Usually they're only about 15, but because I loved that chapter so much, it was crazy. If you want to hear my thoughts, go to patreon.com and listen to my chapter by chapter analysis by becoming a patron of as little as $2 a month. It's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash OutlanderCast. Think of it as you do when you are donating to something like your local PBS station or radio station. Thanks to supporters like you. Right? Where's Laura Linney when we need her? It really is. It's thanks to supporters (laughs) like you, and this is just a little way that we can give back by having Blake's chapter by chapter analysis. Chapter by chapter analysis. So until next time, folks, I'm Mary Larson. My name is Blake. And you've been listening to OutlanderCast. And our screaming kids in the background. <laughs> We're not being negligent parents, I promise. Sesame Street must be over. <laughs> All right, let's close it up. At the Home Depot, we are dedicated to helping you build the skills that get your home projects done right. That's why we offer free and interactive online DIY workshops. During the live streams, our knowledgeable associates help you tackle your DIY projects no matter your age or skill level. You can learn how to install new single pole switches as well as standard duplex and GFCI outlets. Register for free at homedepot.com workshops. The Home Depot. How doers get more done.